Visit licentureexams.com and try our samples completely free of charge. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to our Licensure Exams podcast. I'm Dr. Linton Hutchinson, and with me today is my co-host, Stacy Frost. What do you have for us today, Stacy? Well, hey there, everybody. Today we have an exciting topic, I think an exciting topic for all of you, Bruce Tuckman. Now, some of you may be wondering, who in the world is Bruce Tuckman, and what does he have to do with therapy? Well, let me tell you. Tuckman was a professor of psychology and a research psychologist, and he was interested in academic achievement, particularly understanding how students learn and what motivates them. In 1965, while working at the Naval Medical Research Institute, he published an influential paper called Developmental Sequence in Small Groups, where he introduced his theory of group development. Another story that began back in the 60s. Linton, I thought you'd appreciate that. <laughs> what? Did you say Bruce Snipes? Uh, no, no, Linton, not exactly. But Bruce Snipes is a fantastic tutor, and he's helped hundreds of therapists pass their exams over the years. Believe me, he really knows all the ins and outs of group dynamics. And I suppose he should, after spending over two decades in prison for... For what? Well, for the state of Florida as a therapist. <laughs> <laughs> I know, I know. But Bruce Tuckman's theory has truly stood the test of time. It's still widely used today by therapists like Bruce Snipes in all kinds of settings, including maximum security prisons. So tell me, what are Tuckman's stages? All right. Well, Tuckman initially identified four main stages of group development. And those were quiz, quiz you here on this one, Linton. Yes. Okay. What were they? Forming. Mm -hmm. Let's see. Storming, norming, and performing. But exactly. later in the 70s, he added a fifth stage called adjoining. And I'm sure that you have a memory device for those stages, Linton. Well, a matter of fact, Stacy, I do. Okay. <laughs> okay. I'll bite. Fearful students never pass anything. Okay. Fearful students never, never pass anything. Fearful, forming, students, storming, never, norming, pass, performing, and anything adjoining. So fearful students never pass anything. I gotcha. That one's pretty clever there, Linton. Can you remember the names of theories and techniques using mnemonics, Linton? Well, you sure can, Stacy. I can tell you all the names of all the friendly folks there at Publix. Fat <laughs> chance that's going to help anyone pass the exam, Linton. <laughs> that's true. But seriously, why do we need to know these developmental stage models for the licensing tests? What purpose do they serve? Sometimes it feels like we're just memorizing names and details without seeing the bigger picture. So could you shed some light on why these theories are so critical for our exam prep and future well, therapy practice? Of course. Well, well, the exam doesn't just test you on your ability to work with clients and individual therapy. You'll also be expected to know the fundamentals of different therapy modalities, including couples, family, and group therapy. Understanding the various theories and corresponding stages of group development allows therapists to anticipate 
and address potential challenges that may arise during group interactions. Okay, so how about talking us through these group stages? Okay, absolutely, Stacy. Let's start with the first stage, which was forming. What was the mnemonic again, Stacy? Let's see, fearful students never pass anything. Aha, see, it's in there. So forming is when a group comes together for the first time and individuals get to know each other. There's a mixed bag of observable behaviors and feelings during the stage. Members may be polite, avoid controversial topics, feel excited and optimistic, or be suspicious and anxious. So if you see those types of behaviors in a case study on the exam, you know what stages they are in if you happen to get a question about group stages. Mm -hmm. Okay. So the first stage forming, if I understand this, like you've explained it, it's kind of like the first day of school or maybe like a first date. Yeah, exactly. Everyone is a stranger and is uncertain about what to expect of them or what is expected from the group. During this stage, group members try to establish their roles and figure out how they fit into the group. This stage is critical for establishing trust and building rapport within the group. To move on to the next stage, group members must step outside of their comfort zone and risk vulnerability, sharing more about themselves. Okay, go on. The forming stage is critical for setting up the group's foundation. You got to remember that. And as I mentioned, this is where members are just getting to know one another and figuring out the purpose and goals of the group. The leader plays an important role here in providing clear direction and structure. And as the group leader, what would your focus be on during the forming stage? Okay, this is what you've got to do. You have to establish ground roles and boundaries, explain the purpose and vision of the group, help members get to know one another, being encouraging and motivating members to participate and keep the discussion focused while also allowing flexibility. So during this initial phase, I'm guessing that some members are going to be pretty shy and hesitant to open up. Are there any strategies that the group leader can use to help them kind of open up and get to know each other? Aha, uh -huh. this is where the icebreaker activities come in handy. It could be something simple like, asking each group member to share their name, occupation, and a hobby or interest of theirs. Right. So the goal is to help members get comfortable sharing and connecting with each other. And that leads us to the second stage, storming. Sounds pretty intense. It can be. This is where conflicts and power struggles arise as individuals express their opinions and try to take on the leadership role. Ah, so this is when the group dynamics shift. And right. I bet you start to see pathologies that group members have been trying to hide up to this point. That's right, Stace. The friendliness starts to wear off. It's like <laughs> some people's marriage. The honeymoon's over and that wonderful, loving person you thought you married seems to have magically transformed into something akin to Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. Mm. Typically... This is where you see arguing between group members, confusion, tension, and everybody's defense mechanisms and egos really start to come into play. 
Oof, yikes. My shoulders just tensed up thinking about this. Huh. <laughs> well, if forming was the honeymoon period, then storming is when reality sets in. <laughs> As we mentioned, this is where competing ideas emerge and differences of opinion arise. Things may start to feel a little chaotic and a little tense. Mm, okay, so what are some signs that the group is in the storming stage, Linton? Okay, typically... During the storming stage, you'll see an increased conflict and arguing among members, disagreements about roles, responsibilities, and activities, questioning of the leader's authority, that's you, poor attendance or participation, people may or may not show up, cliques or factions form within the group. Okay, so kind of like the family Christmas gathering. Yeah, you, you mean like when Eric brings us all up to date on the Civil War history and Cousin Hank has his amplifier cranked as he wails out a guitar solo? <laughs> and don't get me started on Liz, now threatening to do her double somersault off the roof. And of course, DB is yelling, stop, as Sterling twists her arm with one of her jujitsu's moves. And the rest of the family members are arguing over what the Christmas theme should be for next year, or should we just throw in the towel and skip it all together? <laughs> well, that's the kind of family Christmas I'd like to visit as a fly on the wall, Linton. You're lucky. <laughs> no kidding. As uncomfortable as the storming stages can feel, it's actually an essential part of the group development. So don't get just upset about it. The storming stage allows issues to arise to the surface so they can be addressed. Okay. Well, that makes sense. I guess it all is kind of par for the course in the storming stage. Yeah. So what should you do as the leader to keep things from getting completely out of control and derailing? Well, the first thing is don't panic. <laughs> okay. Or get defensive when the honeymoon glows start to fade. Maintain your composure. Keep the focus on group goals. Be open to feedback and willing to make adjustment as needed. Whatever you do, don't escalate any conflicts. Remind members of the ground rules if required. Storming may be a bumpy ride, but you'll come out stronger on the other side in that whole group process. If appropriately managed, the storming stage can lead to greater cohesion and cooperation with the group. Oh, well, that's good. And then comes the norming stage. Right, that's right. If the group successfully passes through the storming stage, they'll enter calmer waters that is norming. This is when roles become clearer, working relationships get established, and the group starts rowing in the same direction. Mm, okay, so a little bit more peaceful times now. Yeah. So uh -huh. can you describe some of the common signs that are associated with this stage? How would how would you know what the, the group is in norming? Yeah, so if you have a case study and if you want to know if they're in norming, this is what you'll see. Cohesion and teamwork increase. There's more collaboration and willingness to compromise. There's agreement on roles, responsibilities, and activities. Development of shared goals and visions, group identity finally begins to form, and leadership becomes more shared. Ah, and speaking of leadership, what are the group leaders' tasks in the norming stage? 
Well, this is the time to reinforce positive norms by highlighting good teamwork and progress. You can step back more and empower the group members to take ownership of the group itself. You need to provide support, but let the members practice making decisions together. Celebrate with them any milestones and any achievements you see happening. Solidify the bonds forming between members. The goal is to help the group gel around their shared purpose. With your guidance, the team develops a strong identity at this stage. Okay. Then after this stage, we have the performing stage. And this is, Linton, I think when things really get rolling, right? Right. Absolutely. By this stage, the group has established trust, norms, and roles and can work together efficiently towards their common goal. This is the most productive of all the stages. The group members have empathy for one another and strong bonds develop. The group leader provides little direction, that's you, because the group is truly independent. Group cohesion is at its highest point during the performing stage. So it sounds like this is when all the group members' hard work really pays off. The team is functioning at a high level and they're able to work autonomously toward their goals. Right. The key signs that group is in the performing stages are shared responsibility and leadership, high morale and motivation, Conflict is dealt with smoothly. The focus is on achievement and results. Creativity and innovation are really high. And problems are solved effectively as a team. And you know what my next question is going to be, right? Yep. Yeah. What's the group leader's role in this stage? Okay. Your role is just to remove any obstacles standing in their way. That's it. Let the group spread their wings and fly while you cheer them on, celebrating big and small wins. Keep up morale and motivation. Don't get complacent. Be ready to revisit and reform and redefine norms if it's needed. But overall, enjoy watching the group excel. They've come a long way from the forming stages. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And finally, there's that fifth stage, the adjourning stage. This stage was added in 1977 by Tuckman and Mary Ann Jensen, who was one of Tuckman's doctoral students at the time. That's right. Adjourning is when you bring closure and transition members out of the group. Tuckerman and Jensen added the stage as they recognized ending a group is an important process. Here are some of the key aspects. Saying goodbye and celebrating achievements. Processing feelings like grief, relief, and pride. Preparing members for separation. Tying up loose ends. Evaluating the group experience. Closing rituals to mark the transition. So this would be the time to maybe have members share some memorable moments and what they've learned, right? Yeah, it's sort of like a graduation. As the group leader... You want to assure members that the bonds and skills they've gained will live on after the group. Now, I think we have time for an example. Let's imagine you're leading a new therapy group, Stacy, for anxious teenagers. Walk us through what each stage might look like, Stacy. Okay, that's a good idea, Linton. Let's see here. So in the forming stage, I'd focus on providing structure through an agenda, some ground rules, uh, icebreakers, and clear goals and topics for the group. 
Right. And I'd start off, you know, by introducing myself and have members introduce themselves too. I try to be, you know, upbeat, welcoming, um, put a strong emphasis on psychological safety and confidentiality in order to start building trust with all the group members. I hope you're not going to be using that word upbeat with teenagers, Stacey. <laughs> well, that's true, Linton. I did forget. Yes. Uh, <laughs> anxious teenagers. Okay. So I'm at least going to be encouraging. How's you, that? Yeah, you better be. <laughs> so it sounds good so far. <laughs> okay. So next in the storming phase, I'm probably going to see some resistance, low motivation, maybe a little bit of spotty attendance as the teenagers start to challenge the group's purpose or the values of sharing personal issues with total strangers. I need to reinforce goals, listen to concerns, and model openness and vulnerability myself. Am I still on the right track, Lyndon? You are. You're sort of like butter on a roll. <laughs> so keep on going. Okay. And once we get to norming, ideally I'd see some more regular attendance, some more engagement, uh, that group cohesion is building, and we'd agree on group roles and cooperative norms. Uh, roles would clarify who's going to take the initiative and who's more of a supportive role. Shared identity may form around being anxious teenagers who are trying to make progress in therapy together. Mm -hmm. Go on, go on. All right. And then when we reach the performing stage, uh, the teens would take the initiative in leading group discussions or activities. So I kind of take a little bit of a step back and they're going to be sharing more openly and supporting each other. Exactly. Uh, we could collaborate on projects and, you know, coping mechanisms related to managing anxiety. Uh, conflict can arise, but it's going to be handled a little bit more constructively than it would have in previous stages. And then finally, in the adjourning stage, we'd have a celebratory last session. And members would reflect on growth, uh, lessons learned in therapy, and connections that were made. And we'd also talk about relapse prevention plans and ways to stay in touch for ongoing support uh, after the group formally ends. And then there might be rituals like signing a group t-shirt. I'm thinking of the teenagers here, Linton, um, mm -hmm. to provide a sense of closure. <laughs> Excellent. So before we wrap up, let's leave our test takers with some key takeaways. Okay. Right. Tuckerman's five stages provide a framework for group development. And those were forming, storming, norming, performing, and adjusting. And how are you going to remember that? All right. Let's see here. Fearful students never pass anything. Okay. Knowing these stages help leaders anticipate challenges and choose appropriate strategies. Patience is critical, especially with teenagers. Each stage serves a purpose in building group cohesion. Pay attention to group dynamics from the first session on. Smooth out conflict while upholding group norms and goals. Gradually empower the group to take ownership and initiative and bring proper closure when ending the group. All righty, so there you have it. And because repetition is such a helpful memory uh, strategy, we'll repeat it. The five stages of Tuckman's theory of group development are forming, storming, norming, performing, and adjourning. So just remember, Fearful students never pass anything. <laughs>
That's right. Fearful students never pass anything. And now it's time to adjourn this podcast. But we'll be back. Until next time, good luck with your studies. And remember, it's in, it's there. in there. <laughs>